Hello and welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talked to Graham McNaughton, the City Hall reporter for the Guelph Mercury Tribune. And while there will be some council business to discuss in a couple of weeks, the main thrust of local political issues lately can be summed up in one word. Election. The municipal election takes place here and in municipalities around Ontario on October the 24th, and that means a chance to have your say about who represents you in the mayor's office, on city council, and on the local school boards. Nominations closed nearly two weeks ago, so the ballots are set, and the candidates are rolling out their platforms. All that's left is the vetting, and that will begin with this week's episode of the podcast. So sizing up the odds is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. Now, this episode doesn't really need a lot of setup, as we're just going to go over the ballot and talk about who's running in each of the wards, and then who's running for mayor, but let's talk about where we are, politically speaking. Guelph, a growing community about an hour's west of Toronto, rapidly approaching 150,000 people, and directed by the province to grow to over 200,000 by the halfway point of the century. That means Guelph is going to need to add tens of thousands of housing units in the next three decades, which is not an easy feat because of high housing prices and the friction already throughout the city caused by those growing pressures. Meanwhile, there are infrastructure pressures, traffic pressures, service pressures, and social pressures. The challenges are substantial, and the solutions are also difficult to find. Into this political climate are 40 candidates running for the 12 council seats and the six people looking to be the new mayor. There are four vacant seats, one in each of these wards, one, two, three, and four, which is the most number of open seats on council at any one time since 2014. Three of the four retirees have been on council for at least 12 years or more. And while that may be a loss of institutional knowledge, it does open up counsel to new ideas and new experiences. It will force a change in alliances and allegiances and relationships on counsel, which might change how and why decisions are made. Frankly, if you're interested in local politics and interested in shaping the future of Guelph, then this might be a good moment to get involved. So consider this primer. Who is running? Who has an interesting story? And who has an inside track? to be a part of the next city council. So on this first post-summer break edition of the Guelph Politicast, we will go down the ballot with Graham McNaughton, race by race, from the now wardless Ward 1 in the East End to the new Ward 2, where downtown and much older parts of Guelph are now based. There's Ward 3, still in the center of the northern part of town, and Ward 4 in the west, which now begins at the Hanlon instead of Silver Creek Parkway. And then we head south to the now bigger Ward 5 and the slightly smaller but still growing Ward 6, the only two wards I would add in this election where both the incumbent councillors are running. And finally, the mayor's race. Can any of the five challengers hope to unseat Mayor Cam Guthrie? Let's find out. So I caught up with Graham McNaughton last week via Zoom. Okay, Graham McNaughton, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you, although I am more used to seeing you in person now because we're doing in-person council meetings, not so much through the Zoom machines, which, which is how I got accustomed to seeing you. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a nice change of pace being able to do these meetings again. And then, oh, I got to sit by Adam. Ugh, I, don't, I still want to do this. <laughs> it should be noted there's no assigned seating at the media table. So uh, the, although you do get there 
usually last after me and Richard. So that I like be. to arrive uh, fashionably <laughs> late, which for a journalist is still early. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, fair enough. We, we're, we're still kind of on summer break because uh, we'll have a couple of meetings in September, but uh, otherwise uh, it's all election all the time. Uh, so as we were talking about before we start recording, we're just kind of go th- going to go through the, the various categories and, and talk about what sticks out and, and who has good odds, who has long odds. Um, so I, I figured we could start with uh, the horseshoe, um, start going ward by ward. We'll, we'll sort of save mayor for last. Uh, that might be the most interesting category just in terms of diversity of thought. Um, but I, I, I'm prepared to be wrong. Uh so let's get started with Ward 1 here. We have uh, six people. Uh, Michelle Bowman, who people may remember as uh, the Green Party candidate in, I think it was last year, 2021. Yes, Graham shaking his head, yes. Uh, Aaron Catton, who is uh, well-known in sort of uh, accessibility circles and promoting more accessibility in town. Um, the only incumbent running for re-election in Ward 1, Dan Gibson. Ty Mack, who is uh, kind of a marketing pro and uh, is involved with a couple of sort of well-known Facebook pages. Uh, Chidi Nguyen, uh, excuse me, Chidi Nenwe, who is uh, also kind of a community activist. He has his own little interview show on social media, too, that he talks to community members. He's been involved in the Green Party. And uh, Daruv Shah, who I, I don't know a lot about. Do you know a lot about Daruv Shah? Sorry, just trying to find my mute button there. Uh, no, I'm uh, I'm in the same boat as you. Okay. Uh, can we both agree Dan is uh, got pretty good odds to uh, hold on to his seat? Yeah, Dan is good odds, especially with the redrawing of the uh, the ward boundaries. Now that Ward One is pretty more exclusively the East End, that was where he was getting a lot of his votes in the last two elections. So I feel this just solidifies that he can uh, get back in. Hmm. I would agree with that. Um, any, any, like, do any of the other five sort of stand out? Um, uh, you know, to you, do you know who has maybe good odds for the second seat? Um, in terms of like visibility, I mean, it, it's you know, Aaron, Ty, and Chidi have both been very visible on social media. I think, and I, I do wonder if that's uh, you know, might be a good factor working in their favor or, you know, even just, you know, being familiar faces in the community. I think, I think we can say they are. Yeah. Well, one of the things that helps, especially with municipal politics is name recognition. Mm -hmm. So when you have people that already have a strong social media presence, you're going to have that name recognition right off the bat before you get to, you know, signs going up and the door to door visits. If you already have that name that's out there, that's going to be beneficial which I also think could uh, prove advantageous for uh, Michelle Mm. Um, with her running fairly recently. um, You know, people are going to recognize that name from the federal election. Although I'm going to be curious to see how she does without a uh, federal party's infrastructure behind her. Yeah. Cause she was a pretty big wheel. Uh, She was like in the shadow, the green party shadow cabinet for a while. This was for, um, their their leader resigned following the last election um but yeah it it, her name has been on election signs i i've often wondered and you know maybe you can lend some some insight into this being kind of a more recent qualified but you know 
I, I do wonder how many people Bob Bell, how many votes Bob Bell got because the bell-shaped signs were super memorable. <laughs> well, when you're running in a, you know, if you're running against multiple candidates, um, you got to do what you can to get yourself to stick out. So those, uh, the signs aren't going to hurt. No, 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 no. Because it's, it's like, maybe you've had this experience too. Um, there is, I, I can't remember anyone who's ever told me they, from Ward 1, they voted for Bob, but he does he did win four elections in a row. <laughs> yeah, well, if he's winning that many elections, someone's got to be voting for him, whether, you know, whether people want to admit they voted for him or any other candidate or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think that sort of comes down to a bit of the problem with municipal politics is people will just, you know, as soon as they see incumbent, it's like, oh, you know, everything's going relatively okay. There's no major problems that are going on. So there must not be anything wrong. So vote for the same people again, which is why uh, it is so hard to unseat an incumbent in a municipal election. No one, Mike, no one on our city council has said something to the effect of rainbows are a gift from God. So uh, we shouldn't be putting up (laughs) pride across walks. (laughs) To just pull an example out of thin air. Um, <laughs> or, or saying that we need to annex part of uh, Fuss Lunch. That, yes. A Ward 1 counselor did say that in the last term. <laughs> All right. Let's go to Ward 2 then. Um, kind of uh, the downtown centric now. Downtown is included in Ward 2. I think it's 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 interesting. This is kind of kind of an old part of town. They've kind of separated out the older parts of Wards 1 and 2 and combined them in this new Ward 2. So in alphabetical order, we have uh, Billy Cottrell, who I, I don't know a lot about. Do you know a lot about Billy Cottrell? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, Morgan Dandy, who is uh, well known if you go to the Breezy Breakfasts on a, on a weekly basis. Uh, she's been at council a lot uh, and her little dog, too. Um, <laughs> she does have a support animal who goes with her. So I, it's, uh, you know, you Morgan does stand out at the council chambers. Uh, Ray Ferraro, who ran for city, was a city councillor from 03 to 06, ran for the PC party in 2018 uh the incumbent rodrigo goller uh carly classen who um i did think i i did she she is searchable on social media i did find her um Ilya morrison who i you know confession i knew him when he was at ed video and i was at the board of ed video he does the alice street project he's also a sort of local artist a multimedia artist Rob Osborne, who is uh, another sort of multimedia guy, producer, director, and Raymond Sarter, who has who I have talked to. Um, so uh, he he does seem to be getting engaged. He he does have um, I don't know if it's going to be on his signs, but I his his uh, one of the campaign materials he sent me had a very like sort of tide like the detergent tide it's like sarter and like a multicolor circle it's it's kind of rad um so if 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 there's someone with like some real graphic design chops in, the, in this race it might be raven sarter um again you know we have rodrigo the, the incumbent uh he has pretty good odds i would say yeah i would say the same um you know i'm just looking at the uh the results from the last election and both him and the outgoing James Gordon 
handily won that ward, which where I think uh, what may play into this election is who James is going to throw his weight behind now that he's not running for re-election. Right. With him coming in, you know, one out of every four votes went to James Gordon in Ward 2. His name has to carry some weight then. So if he throws his name behind somebody, it could go a long way. Yes, and I would point out too, James um, is is one of the couple of the retiring counselors who who said, like, kind of expressly in their retirement announcement that they were going to retire to make room for new faces, new voices. Um, and, and considering that, you know, if, if you're looking for someone to increase diversity in this race, you know, Ray Ferraro probably is not going to be your first choice, um, you know, to have Dandy or, or Carly, uh, excuse me, Morgan or Carly, um, they, uh, being women would obviously in, sort of enhance diversity on council, you know, which has skewered, although it's been pretty balanced. It has skewered male in the last couple of years. Yeah, there hasn't been a huge, uh, you know, like overly male council, um, mm. you know, because previously um, before I moved back to Guelph, I was covering uh, Oshawa and Durham region and, it was very uh, male heavy, at least while I was there. Like I know Oshawa only had two female counselors at the time and regional council was, you know, you could probably count them on one hand. If I remember correctly, it was, you know, a lot of, a uh, lot of older white men in uh, seats of power out there, at least when I was out there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I was just looking up uh, Raymond Sarter. He, um, he is kind of running as an antithesis to Councillor Dollar, um, and uh, at least on like spending issues. Uh, he is also endorsed by Frank Valeriat, our, our former MP, our former Liberal MP. I have a picture of them shaking hands here. Um, so I'm not sure uh, the Valeriat, um, the Valeriat endorsement is going to be a, a deal maker or a, a deal denier, but uh, it's there. So, um, yeah, definitely not a deal denier, but I wouldn't say it's a deal maker either, because if you're looking at the, you know, the Valeria name is a big name in Guelph. Yeah. But I guess, sir, you have to look at how you capitalize on that. You know, if it's just photos on, you know, social media of him with Frank, I don't think you're going to have a lot of crossover in the audience that is, you know, turning to social media for to help inform political views and the people that, you know, the Valeriate name would carry more weight. Uh, I just put it, I just put two and two together. Carly Klassen is from the Sage Soap Company. So kind of a small business person um, and very well received because I know there are a lot of fans of the, the Sage Soap, which I, I think, I think became uh, a thing during the pandemic. It was something she started during the pandemic. One of those little home businesses that, yeah, and, and I knew the name was familiar. I actually talked with Carly for a story that I had done uh, way back at the beginning of the pandemic on, uh, you know, how people from the farmer's market with, were being affected. And she was one of the people that I had uh, talked with. That's right. All right. So let's go towards three, which um, boundary rice speaking is largely unchanged. Uh, we have Phil Alt, who is the incumbent there. Uh, John Bertrand. Uh, 
Kevin Bowman, Luke Casino, Sam Elmsley, Nathan Ford, Dallas Green, and Michelle Richardson. Uh, speaking of skewing, <laughs> skewing male, uh, I think Michelle is the only uh, woman in that race. And I, I, f- I feel compelled to know Dallas Green is not a reference to City and Color. That is not City and Color running in War Three. Uh, I was really hoping that the, <laughs> sing- the, you know, the other singer from Alexis on Fire was going to be, you know, moving to Guelph and decide to get into city politics, but unfortunately not. That would have been great uh sadly this is not the case so again here we have uh, a very strong incumbent phil ald i mean phil knocked maggie laidlaw out of council when he first ran in 2014 so he's pretty he's pretty he's let's say he's a formidable opponent he is and he is you know he is uh, very active and visible in ward three and in the community so it goes to you know a face that people know, a name that people know, you know, it's only going to do you well uh, when it comes to running for council, unless you've had some major controversy, which, you know, Phil has not. <laughs> no, he's, I don't think he has uh, really. Um, I have had a chance to get to know Michelle Richardson. She was one of the first people to respond to my questionnaire. She's uh, has a lot of experience as a nurse um, and uh, she worked at St. Joseph's for years. So that's, that's an interesting portfolio to come into this race with given everything that's happened in the last few years. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I agree. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I'm interested to learn more about Luke Cousineau uh, because he uh, used to do a summer camp here in Guelph. Uh, he is also doing his PhD in recreation and leisure studies at uh waterloo so i you know just thinking about how parks and rec is kind of a big deal we have a parks and rec master plan in the works you know it'd be interesting to have someone with that experience on on the council too that would be interesting uh hmm I don't know. It, it, Kevin Bowman is kind of the other big name that stands out to me because he's been involved with democracy, Guelph and electoral reform for years. But I, I think this is going to be a really interesting race because um, I'm not sure in terms of name recognition, any one person has more of an advantage over the other. Your thoughts? Well, if you want to bring young voters out, Dallas Green has uh, <laughs> may have a bit of an advantage <laughs> on that one. Um, I just hope, I just I just hope they're not disappointed when they find out like he's a he, he's a flight attendant with WestJet and he's uh, like a first aid instructor and not uh, not the the artist behind oh, what's a Dallas Green song I can't remember anyway go on yeah it goes to show you I can't name a uh, city and color song to save my life um, I think this is you know with Ward Three when you know like as I agree it's going to be an interesting one to see how it turns out and I think this is where you're going to get into you know old-fashioned door knocking I think is going to play a big role in this one because you have a lot of people that you know aren't going to know who these names are outside of Phil Um, so I think that's really it's going to be really imperative for these candidates to really get their names out there as like you know not to disparage anyone but to get there so that they don't they're not just a nobody on a ballot right yeah Uh, i might um i might keep an eye on this one um if if for nothing else in geographical convenience because i just have to walk across the 
walk over the, the bridge over the Hanlon. I'm in Ward Three, so and um, I live and I live in Ward Three. So you do I'll, live in Ward Three. That's right. Yeah. So I'll uh, I'll know uh, who's uh, door knocking <laughs> in uh, my neighborhood. Yeah, and, and not to not to like dox you or anything, but you live on like a major road that runs through Ward Three. So like if if you're if anyone's going to get hit in terms of like media people getting door knocks, it's probably going to be you. Um, Although since I moved to Guelph. I have like actual uh, door knocking as far as politics go. I've, I, I've had it happen twice. Like that's it. Like people mm. don't want to talk to me as far as uh, <laughs> politics are concerned, I guess it's happened twice in both times. It was the federal liberals both times. Interesting. That's what you get for living in the Adams family house. Um, <laughs> all right. Ward four, which is my ward. Um, so we have incumbent Christine Billings running again, uh, literally submitted her papers at the last minute. Like, I don't know ex- what the exact time was she submitted her papers, but it like almost felt like the last minute. She was literally the last person on the list. Well, but someone she- had to be first to register. Maybe she wanted to be the last. It could be. It could have been a power move. It's like, I'm like, I'm, I'm so locked in that this is going to be easy. So I'll, I'll like walk into city hall at one fifty five. but, um, <laughs> I don't mean to cast any aspersions. I'm just having fun with it. Anyway, uh, Anne-Marie Blackadder is also running. Linda Bustatil, who people will probably know as the current chair of the Upper Grand District School Board. Uh, Brendan Clark, who ran last time. Uh, Hitish, uh, excuse me, Hitish Jagad, who people will know for, as a local restaurateur. Uh, very big on social media as well. Adrian Salvatore, uh, who is a kind of a young buck, it seems. Uh, he's he's trying his luck. And Justin Van Deel. Uh, this is an interesting race to me, and I'm, I'm not just saying that because I live here. Um, but, you know, you have Christine Billings, who I, I like I understand she's very responsive to constituents but like speaking as a ward four person i don't feel her visibility as a counselor even though i'm also a reporter so that's just my kind of observation as a citizen so i i don't want to say she has no hope because obviously she you know is an incumbent that's an attractive quality i know that she is very responsive to phone calls and emails from constituents but just you know in terms of like kind of that public facing thing um it's an issue. Just like a, it's a small issue, but it's an issue. Just speaking as a citizen. Yeah, but I think that kind of goes into it was sort of it's very similar to the tactic. Tactic feels a bit of a strong word, but like with how <laughs> Rob Ford operated in Toronto. Right. Where he may not have like, you know, before he was mayor, he, you know, every once in a while you would hear of his name sort of pop up, you know, usually for something dumb that he said. But he was the guy who like the counselor who if you called him or emailed him, he would get back to you no matter what, no matter how small the issue was. And that goes a long way, you know, because that's definitely going to stick with people of, Hey, like I had a problem. I reached out to my counselor and they got back to me quickly and were able to fix it. And, uh, you know, if Christine is playing a, you know, doing similar thing, you know, can only do well. That's a great point. And I, I, I think that's correct. Um, I, I do have an eye on Linda Busatil because she is uh, she's been on the school board I think sixteen years, and if you've seen her chair a school board meeting, she's runs a pretty tight ship, and I've just been like sort of thinking in my imagination like 
a situation where Phil gets reelected, Linda gets elected, and now you have like on either side of the mayor these two very like technocratic, you know, people who've read Robert's rules, um, sort of getting on the mayor's nerves and and the mayor getting it from both sides, especially if it's uh, Mayor Guthrie who gets reelected. <laughs> Yeah, and I think the other thing that's going to be working in Linda's favor is, you know, the community work as well. She's very involved with uh, the neighborhood, the one neighborhood group there, which I'm sorry, the name is escaping me at the moment. But it's one of the largest ones in the city, and it is very active. Like, you just have to go by. They have a massive community garden out there, and that just goes to show that, you know, like how active that group is in the community and how visible it is. So I think uh, with Linda being so involved with that and running that, that's going to be a big help for her campaign. I mean, it's a neighborhood group that beat Metrolinx, uh, too. So you, it, it, can, it can't be underestimated. And I think, uh, yeah, she's she's definitely a community leader. Um, I will be interested to see, um, you know, we did have Eli, who, who we both know from, from the media business, Eli Ritter running in Ward 4 last time. Um, Adrian Salvatore is, is bringing some youth. I, I wonder if maybe we, if, if the community is like well and truly interested in like more representation instead of like the average middle-aged white guy on council, um, if, if there might be some truck to, you know, get some youth on council, this seems to be like the opportunity uh, also, Hitesh, you know, given his his platform, uh, the popularity of his his restaurant, um, also a lot of social good that that restaurant does as well. Uh, yeah, and Hitesh is very active on social media as well. That's so right. Not like he's covering his bases, so I think he's going to be another candidate to watch. Mm-hmm. And if there were any right, like this is not to speak ill of Christine because she's you know she has been reelected several yeah. times and does good work in the community, but. Sure. If there were any riding that was going to see an incumbent unseated, I would say it'd be here. Mm, I might have a different opinion about that, which we will get to. Um, but I, I'm not, I'm not prepared to say that you're wrong either. I, I think that, yeah, it's, th- I think this is the race to watch in terms of like the diversity of candidates in terms of the characters um, any experiences, I, I will be very interested to see where Ward 4 lands. And again, I'm not just saying that because I live here. Um, <laughs> maybe a little. Maybe a little. <laughs> so in Ward 5, we have uh, incumbents Leanne Caron and Kathy Downer. We also have Hisham Gennady, um, Alex Green, who ran against uh, Leanne and Kathy last time. We also have Lana Haynes and uh, Denise Renaud, who was originally going to run in Ward 1 and had, and then signed up for Ward 5 instead, perhaps um, positioning uh, herself to be a spoiler. Um, so it's... Ward 5 is interesting because on the one hand, it, it feels very unchanged in terms of like where the strength of that ward is, but on the other hand, it just added 10,000 more people. So how does that change the dynamics? Exactly. With such a big demographic shift, it's going to, you know, like you can't look at past elections as reliably if there's, you know, that big of a change. So that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. But I mean, having said that, you know, both Leanne and Kathy are formidable opponents. Um, 
the, the, the trick is when you kind of have because for the longest time, it looked like this was going to be, you know, one of those acclaimed. I, I still can't get over that four out of seven of the Wellington municipalities are the, the mayor's positions. There are on a, are all acclaimed four out of seven. That's crazy to me. No one wants to be mayor. We should mayor. have ran on a lark. Just say, hey, I want to be mayor of Mapleton now. <laughs> <laughs> in, in a campaign of like, I want to seize more land for Guelph, perhaps. Um <laughs> I will run for mayor and my sole campaign plank is we need a water park. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, to, to get back to Ward 5, you know, you have four candidates um, in, in these situations. If, you know, people, perhaps especially the new people who've joined Ward 5, if they're looking for a change, well, who do you get behind? Um, I think that's always been sort of like a problem in Ward 1 in past elections, for example, where you've had like a dozen people run, but it's the incumbents who win. It's just, it's, it's like a bounty of, you know, who, who do, who do the majority of people who want something different, who do they get behind? And that becomes really hard when you have four choices. Yeah. And I think that unless there's one, you know, one or two candidates that put forward a really strong campaign and, you know, really get their names out there, this is where it'll benefit the incumbents because, the people who want to change but may not necessarily, you know, people aren't necessarily going one direction. Those votes are just going to get split up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see just sort of how what what the effect is on the the dynamics of Ward 5. Maybe Leanne and Kathy don't win by as massive margins as they did last time. I mean, that also helps when you have six candidates running. But um, it's it's. I'm not going to say it's a safe ward, but uh, it's probably the safest ward um, for incumbents. So that brings us to Ward 6. And this is my one to watch in terms of like, it can an incumbent fall? Because I was looking at like past elections in Ward 6, and there have been at least twice in the last four or five elections where an incumbent in Ward 6 has been defeated, even though they were running for re-election. So here in this in this race, you have Ke- uh, Ken Yi Chu, Craig DeCero, Mark McKinnon, and Dominique O'Rourke. They are the two incumbents, and Chetna Robinson. And I don't want to, I'm not in the prediction business, but I just want to say to Mark McKinnon, watch your back. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm, if, you know, I think if, if it's between him and Dominique, I think people are going to keep Dominique and maybe look for someone new because here's, we just talked about how ward five changed ward six. Although it's now a technically a smaller ward constantly changing. I agree. And Dominique has been very, very vocal on as far as like, you know, development in ward six, especially along the Gordon street corridor. Mm. And that is a huge issue in that part of the city. And with her being as vocal as she has been, I think that's, you know, that's really endeared her to a lot of the community. So her name is definitely there. Um, yeah, I'm going to be curious to see what's going to happen with Mark because he seems to, you know, he's, oh, he was always a bit more of a quiet voice on council, but yeah. it feels, especially in the last year, he's been especially quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's been dealing with like health issues in his family. So, I mean, that's. I mean, that could be partially why I think I think he's also like a kind of a very kind of 
like looking, I'm trying to think of like a kind of a tunnel vision, like this is what I'm on council to do. And so when you bring in stuff like let's have a vote of, like to condemn Quebec for, you know, their, you know, religious exemption laws or, or whatever that, you know, that's not like I'm a Guelph counselor. What happens in Quebec is none of my business. What, what happens south of, of Maltby Road is none of my business. So it's it's uh, I, I think that's where he's he's coming from. Um, and, and the question is, is, you know, is it, do you want someone that kind of like intensely focused in that way on just like this is what a council does. And this is so this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the community sees them. As far as candidates to watch in this ward, mm. I think Ken, Ken's going to be one to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, like even just looking at photos of his uh, campaign launch, it was a pretty good turnout, um, especially when you're talking about a municipal uh, councillor launch. Like for that kind of turnout that he had, like that really speaks to, you know, there is support for a candidate like him in the community. Yeah, and he's he's an interesting character because he has uh, developed like he's worked in the development uh, like in the. Jeez, I can't remember. This is what happens when you put in as minimum preparation for a podcast as you can. He he worked in the city of Brampton as in in sort of like the development offices. Um, so he's kind of had that experience planning. Planning is the word I was looking for. The planning offices. You should have um, planned for this podcast. <laughs> tell me about it um, <laughs> it's hey it's still technically summer um no he worked in the planning department at the city of brampton he so he he brings you know if planning is the issue in this ward and you have dominique like constantly swinging it like we're like the the, the grow the growth pressure is being put on us and then the other thing to, in in dominique's favor is and you've sort of seen that in sort of these recent statements about whole how the whole um Riding boundaries might change if for, for the next federal election. How we're, we're essentially going to cut off the southern end of Guelph, south of Arkell, and it's going to join um, this sort of bigger, more rural uh, riding called um, Wellington Halton. Um, you know, she's been very on top of that because all, the, the other piece of this is representation. And she was one of the few people who voted against the, um, the new old model of of council of the ward boundaries and the council composition and mostly from a point of view that the south end isn't getting the representation uh, a lot of people down there feel it deserves yeah and that's like i think this past term dominique is the counselor that i would say best exemplifies the counselor for that ward as opposed mm. to just being a city city counselor like she's been very vocal on south end matters whether it be gordon street development infrastructure in that part of the city uh the community center and now with this you know the redrawing of the ridings or potential redrawing of the uh electoral ridings you know she speaks very well to that feeling of many residents in that part of the city of almost like some like almost like they're outliers of guelph yeah um you know, they're still within city boundaries. They're Guelph residents, but there's, it's almost like other people in the city has, you know, almost kind of turned their nose to people in the South end of like, well, you're not really from Guelph. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think, I think that's, um, that's a, a good point. 
and I just I I wish um I and you know sort of in in sort of looking at my own analysis and my own the how I live my life in Guelph I'm probably a bit too north northern affiliated and I I I this is always in the back of my head I should get down and pound the pavement in the south end more and um because it you know it is an interesting part of town it's a growing part of town uh there's a certain kind of newness there and uh I think you know we we do sort of risk you know it it almost seems like a a kind of like systemic alienation of, of that end of town because you know if you're if you've been in Guelph long enough and you've sort of been a dissident and especially the downtown area you typically don't think too much beyond Stone Road yeah for you know for a long time people saw it as you know Guelph ends at Stone Road and the rest of it you know just sort of a little bit a little, little bit of development here and there south of there like this is where you know like because I moved away from the area for a while, for a while, and when I moved back, my first reaction was, "Where did all this building come from?" <laughs> um, but yeah, at the end of the day, like Guelph is a growing city, and we need to, you know, listen to all the residents, not just the residents that you know are parts of the city that were still that that were here 20, 30 years ago. I mean that that experience is jarring, and I, I've been here the whole time. Well, the last twenty years, I've been here the whole time, but. You know, the first time I really went to like the Claire Gordon area was when I was work. Uh, they set up a Halloween city where the bulk barn is now in in the Pergola Plaza, and that was like the first time I was like really down there. And you do get that feeling, even as a Guelph resident, of like, wow, there is a lot going on here. And uh, yeah, I I just uh, I don't think that should be underestimated either. All right, let's get to the mayor's race. Uh, there are. So somehow six people running for mayor um, after, you know, uh, Cam filed his papers on May the 3rd. And then in the last week, we we get five more people. So here we go. We have William Albabish, uh, Danny Drew, Cam Guthrie, who is, of course, our current mayor, John Edward Krusky, Sheila McFarland and Nicholas Ross. Maybe let's do it one name at a time. William Abel, excuse me, William Ababish, um, I don't know a lot about have has he been on your radar? Has he come onto your radar? No, he hasn't. Um, I've have, don't really know much about uh, William. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I did. I did some like Googling trying to see if I could um, learn more about him, but that was that proved difficult. Uh, next is Danny Drew, who uh, came out of the gate, like really putting their stamp on things as a non-binary communist candidate. Uh, I, I have a feeling if you are not a fan of Mayor Guthrie and you're looking for somewhere to park your vote, as, even if it's just as a protest, uh, I have a feeling that's going to be Danny Drew this election. I think so as well, because at least looking at, you know, what we know of the candidates so far and their political views, uh, Danny is the only one who, whose uh, political views are the left end of the spectrum. Mm. Um, at least that's been more, you know, of the candidates that have been more visible. So of people that, you know, are wanting a more left-wing progressive mayor, you know, Danny may be the best place for, uh, you know, or the or what people will see as the best place to put their vote. Mm-hmm. Um whether it be seen as a protest vote, as you said, because 
I think the, you know, while they are, you know, proud of the label, mm-hmm. the communist label, I think, is going to scare a lot of people off. <laughs> it, it shouldn't. It, you know, if you're going to have a, a, a proudly communist mayor, it, it, it should be an or promulous. Proudly communist mayoral candidate that it should be in Guelph where the whole thing started in 1921. I'm going to skip Cam uh, and save Cam for last. Uh, John Edward Krusky, who uh, people may know, um, if at least if you're security conscious, uh, Golden Triangle Investigations. Um, the only candidate in the race that has an IMDb profile in in their social media feed, even though he doesn't have any credits, which I found interesting, but um, he did release a platform the other day, right? Yes, he did. Yeah. So it's small C conservative stuff. I would say like very much like let's not build a library right now. Let's keep our eye on the, the tax rates. Um, he also has ideas about developing business plans for the city as well. If I remember correctly. Yeah, it's definitely the platform at least is stepping on cam's toes a bit. Yeah. Um, like it reminds me of a lot of the stuff that cam has said in the past, but maybe just you know, <laughs> going, you know, taking that extra step. So I think, you know, like if, uh, if he's able to get out and get a good campaign going and get his name going, it could be leeching votes off of cam. Yeah, you did say something that struck me was that, you know, he's kind of like the new Cam in terms of, you know, because I remember that 2014 race. Um, Cam was definitely leading into that small C conservative side, like like zero based budgeting and and, and things like that. Um, maybe proof that the office changes you. Um, he certainly I, I would say that certainly the Cam of 2020 is not the Cam of 2014. It's definitely a big shift, um, I think. And it's a case of seeing the office from the inside versus the outside. You know, mm. once you get in and look at the books and look at how things run and realizing, well, I can't really do that effectively. You know, that doesn't actually work. Um, it kind of, remi- I you know, hate bringing you back to the Fords again, but it reminds me of when Rob Ford got elected. And his big thing was, you know, wanting to run an audit of the city of Toronto's finances and, you know, oh, we could easily cut, I think it was a billion dollars or something. Mm. And then actually going through the budget and realizing, no, no, you can't, unless you're wanting to close down fire halls and, you know, libraries and lay a bunch of city staff off, you know, it doesn't, doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's the other part of this, too, that uh, I admit I find kind of concerning is uh, Krusky seems to have a lot of and this gets into sort of the next candidate on the list, sort of a lot of, uh, shall we say, COVID skeptical content on his Twitter feed and some of his retweets, which has me a little concerned. Yeah, um, there's definitely that definitely pops up on his social media and doesn't really come across in his platform although yeah. you can read a couple of the plat you know a couple of his platform planks and if you look at it from a covid skeptic point of view you could read them a little bit differently i believe you're referring to point number 7 about holding up constitutional values yes <laughs> yeah i noticed that too um so that brings us to uh Sheila McFarland who uh people may know from 
definitely from these anti-mandate gatherings that have been held in town. She is well known on social media going by the nom de guerre Sheila Hunter. Um, she has uh, posted on her Facebook uh, as, as a mayoral candidate, not just as a community member, but as a mayoral candidate, that there's basically no such thing as public land, that uh, City of Guelph staff do not have any authority. So, uh, so far, so good. Yeah. And um, looking at, you know, when she was a counselor in Kincardine and then afterwards when she was voted out saying that the election was rigged and, mm-hmm. but, you know, that was in 2014. That message could carry a bit more in uh, 2022. You know, we saw what happened, uh, you know, January 6th last year. Not saying that people are going to storm. I was, was going to say we're not proposing that there's going to be a January 6th here in Guelph on City Hall. But yeah, she was kind of like an early adapter to the whole, these elections are not legitimate thing. And it's like, you can still find that campaign website and find it pretty easily. So it's, you know, she's she's not hiding anything. Um, but I mean, it is concerning. Uh, the thing I will say about the potential constituency she's courting is that I think we'll see sort of how big that is in Guelph. Like we'll f- like have like a hard number because you can go to the, I, you know, I've been to those gatherings and it's maybe like 30 people. I think it's like maybe 200 people max of like the biggest one. But when they're on the street corner, there are a lot of people who honk as they drive by. That's true. Um, although the one thing I would maybe keep in mind is whenever you had these larger anti-vax, anti-masking demonstrations, they weren't here. They were, you know, they consolidated right. AW, which I think can maybe speak to how big of a presence that really has here like you definitely have a very vocal group of people that go that way but whether people are actually willing to put their you know mark that name on the ballot is a whole different question and i i would i would uh second what you just said there because um yeah there are a lot of people who go to those things who sort of like it's kind of like following the Grateful Dead around, you, you know, you, wherever they've set up like, one of these protests for that weekend, you go to it. And, and I've definitely met a lot of like KW people, Cambridge people, um, people, you know, in the townships around Guelph who, who were at those gatherings. So, uh, but I'll, like I said, if, if anything else, we'll sort of kind of see the hard number. Um, so that brings us to uh, Nicholas Ross, who ran in 2014. He is someone with lived experience of homelessness. He's someone with lived experience of, of living with a disability. Definitely interesting character. Interesting to see him pop up here, especially with a lot of the, the discussion that's happened in the last term about, you know, creating greater accessibility, especially around voting. Um, but, I mean, it'll be interesting to have his voice acknowledging he doesn't he, his disability doesn't allow him to speak. But just in terms of like as a candidate, having his voice um, in this campaign will be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was gonna, yeah. You know, in the last time he ran, Nick was the he got the lowest number of votes in the mm-hmm. city. But a lot has changed in the yeah. past eight years. Not to say that he's you know going to win or anything, but I think especially that lived experience and what we're seeing in the city, especially downtown, I think that may uh, carry a bit more weight. And 
you know, he, I don't think he'll win, but I think uh, you're going to get, uh, you know, whoever emerges as the leading candidates are maybe going to be saying, Hey, Nick, can I talk to you and maybe steal a platform idea or two? Yeah. People are in a mood to listen now. Um, that's, that's, a, that's an important point. Okay. Well, that brings us to last, but certainly not least, uh, Mayor Cam Guthrie, uh, two-term mayor, um, you know, he brings with, I mean, in, especially now, um, being the chair of Ontario's big city mayors for like three of the last four years probably doesn't hurt, uh, his chances. Cause I mean, I know I, I mean, granted, I watch too much TV news, but uh, you know, I have seen him pop up on like CTV news channel and CP 24 and, and different places. So it, you know, there, there is even just as like for those months when he was running as like the only candidate there, there is a certain feeling like, um, He's kind of Guelph's mayor. If you know, he 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 has the Iron Throne. It's it's going to be tough to knock him off of it. <laughs> yeah, and with his position with the uh, big city mayors, I think that's definitely going to help him. As you meant, like as agreeing with you there, I think because you know, people paying attention to local news may not be as high, right? Just coming from two local journalists. Yeah, <laughs> um, but. When you're able to speak more authoritatively on provincial and federal matters, which, you know, more people are going to be paying attention to, and then you see his name in there, it just gives you that added weight, that added name recognition. And and then, yeah, with him being the incumbent, it's a one-two punch there. And I would also say, we were talking about how his politics changed too. I, you know, I, in conversations I've compared to compared Cam now to one of those like big shopping carts at like no frills where, you know, it's, it's, if you're going down the exact middle of the aisle, you can't get around it on the left. You can't get around it on the right. So if, if, you know, for a certain sort of like middle of the road, middle class um, voter, it, it's hard to make a point that anything cam has done said or done has been terribly extreme or kind of upsetting to the norm. It's, he's been a very good middle, middle manager of Guelph. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, not going explicitly left or explicitly right in a city politics. Right. No, it's going to be playing to both sides of the aisle as far as drawing votes. Yeah. Yeah, like, and he also has like a big like people like him like that they like the dad jokes and going to garage sales and buying blenders. Um. <laughs> I want to see him wear the bee costume to at least one <laughs> council meeting. If Doug Ford comes back to Guelph for any reason, I want to see him wear that bee costume. Oh, it's. It would be the ultimate troll. I just, I, I don't know if Cam has it in him. I, I, I believe he has it in him to like lear- search through the, the phone, the, the phone app, uh, the photo app on the phone to find the B outfit and post that like yuckety yuck, yuck, yuck. But to, to like wear it in Doug Ford's presence, um, we might know that Cam has uh, <laughs> fully gone to the dark side and I don't know if he has it in him. But uh, I, I found this very informative, Graham. Uh, it was great talking to you, and uh, it's going to be a fun and interesting campaign, and I hope everybody takes a chance to, to engage with all the candidates. I know we'll be trying, but uh, I thank you for your time. Yeah, and thanks, uh, thanks for having me. It's always great being on here, and uh, I guess we're going to have to see where this election trail takes us. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> 
And once again, that was Graham McNaughton. You can follow along with his election coverage and other city news at the Guelph Mercury Tribune website, which is at guelphmercury.com. You can obviously go to Guelph Politico to find my election coverage, including the candidate questionnaires, and we're airing short interviews with all the council candidates starting this Thursday on Open Sources Guelph. Lastly, for all official election information, including important dates, go to the City of Guelph's election website at vote.guelph.ca. And that is it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio, out of the University of Guelph. And to learn more about CFRU, go to CFRU.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you will get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram or send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can do that and get all the information you need at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, you can check out guelphpolitico.ca, where there will be a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week. And until then, we will see you next time. Mm